No way. I'm getting hacked. Oporsky? No, no, this is major. They've already burned through the NCIS public firewall. Well, isolate the node and dump them on the other side of the router. I'm trying. It's moving too fast. Oh, this is not good. They're using our connection to the infus. They sever it. I can't. It's a point attack. He or she is only going after my machine. It's not possible. This is DOD level 9 encryption. It would take months to get built. Hey, what is that? Video game? No, Tony, we're getting hacked. They get in Abby's computer. The entire NCIS network is next. I can't stop him. Do something, McGee. I've, I've never seen code like this. Radio Drone. It's another Saturday night, and you're probably listening to this on a computer. What kind of a computer are you listening to Radio Drome on? That might come up tonight. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, Cecil Smoky Voice Trachtenberg. Stop all the downloading. <laughs> okay, Coach, you got it. And you can hear not quite Deadpool Peter back there giggling. Hey, kid. I'm a computer. <laughs> Peter gets it. <laughs> now, if you guys want to go old school and get something instead of jerking off to internet porn, and you want to get some kind of a real porn or something to jerk off with, I'm not going to make either one of you do the Adam and Eve promo tonight. You know why? We have why a special that? holiday version. Huh. Adam and Eve oh. is changing it up. They're allowing you to kink up your holidays. This time, if you use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com, and through the end of the year, you'll get... 50% off of a single item. You'll get a free Naughty and Nice kit with your purchase. That'll have an item for him, an item for her, and a free item for both of you, plus free shipping on your entire order. So, guys, you need to go kink up your holidays at adamandeve.com with the promo code DROME. Now, that might be outdated very soon. Tonight, I want to talk about outdated technology in movies, or in another way, how technology being altered would change movies. Because have either of you guys seen the class of 1999? Mm. Oh, God, yeah. Mr. Bryce, one million megabytes. One million megabytes is what it takes <laughs> to run a completely autonomous, self-aware Android. And I bet that seemed like a lot in 1989. One million megabytes is just under a terabyte, meaning I have a flash drive that is double the size of what it takes to run a completely self-aware autonomous Android from 1989. <laughs> kind of makes that movie dated, doesn't it? A little bit. Well, still a great movie, but it is. Pretty but funny. that line always gets get makes me laugh now. Well, I mean, obviously they thought that would be quite a, a fair bit more in the future, seeing as back then, like, I think three or four megabytes was a lot. It's it's pretty funny when it outdates it like that, when, they, when they're a little too ambitious when it comes to things like that. I think in, in Johnny Mnemonic, it's kind of the same thing where... Where if you actually look at it in today's technology standards, Keanu Reeves' character in that movie is is basically just a human flash drive and not even a really good one, one that you could maybe get for a, from Walmart for like six bucks or something in the, in the hey, electronics his department. His doubler was less than my hard drive on my computer. I know. <laughs> 
Peter, I could crash your board. I could crash your board from here, man. No, you couldn't, Keanu. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's I love that movie. It's one of my favorite like cyberpunk flicks and, and stories in general. But it's so funny to me that if you look at it in today's technology standards, he's a cheap USB stick, like a disposable four to six dollar USB stick. And that I think you get that's, at a that's, convenience store. Yeah. Yeah. That you can get like behind the counter at like a 7-Eleven or something. And that's um, it's really pretty hilarious if you think about it. You get like one of those little like Yoda flash drives that holds more has more storage than uh, Keanu and uh, the the robots <laughs> from class of 99. The 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 thing though is that we don't know. I mean maybe maybe it does only take 1 million megabytes to uh, run one of these uh, you know self-contained autonomous robots. They, maybe they have a very small operating system and uh, they they store everything on the cloud. Oh my cloud. god, it's running on Windows ME. It's, oh, it's doomed. Great. Well, they just oh god, they just some airport is still using oh god Vista. One, no, no, even older than that. Like uh, god, I XP? can't even. No, before X. What was before XP? NT. Ninety eight. Ninety. I think they're okay. I think they're still running on like Windows ninety eight. Like a an airport is running on Windows ninety eight. Okay, when I worked at the TV station, this was between 2006 and 2010 when I was working at this particular station, we were, the teleprompter computer was still running Windows 95. I'm not kidding. Yeesh. And that's for a broadcast quality news outlet, was still running (laughs) Windows 95. Ugh, that's terrifying. Hey, it it was kind of nice to hear that old prompt again, that toodoo, when you boot the computer up. I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that in a decade and a half. With the robots from, from or uh, a lot of, of movies, especially when they try to uh, talk about storage space, try to make it something huge, uh, you know, a million megabytes or something. When when really now, you know, we would say, you know, gigabytes, ter- you know, teraflops, whatever. But it's like back then there was no wording for it. So uh, just made it sound big. And um, I think it would be better. I, I think now they're kind of learning so now they'll just either make up something or or they'll you know oh you, the the uh the memory in this thing is unquantifiable or so you know they won't give it like a number yeah. so that way you can't be like oh god you know my 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 phone ha- you know my 10 year old you know or 10 year old my 5 year old phone has more storage space than than this robot see i'm not i'm not <laughs> so sure that they're learning because like ncis and csi and stuff they still have have you ever watched one of these mainstream tv shows deal with computer hackers like uh, CSI Cyber. God, I love Patricia Arquette, but did something happen to your career, my dear? Because, wow, you did not need to be on CSI Cyber. They'll ha- NCIS will have... They're hacking through our firewall. And two different people typing on the same keyboard together. They're like, get him! He's almost through the firewall! And it's like, you have no <laughs> idea what computer hacking really is, do you? No clue at all. Well, the thing with those shows, the CSIs and all them, they're not they're they're dumbing it down for their audience. You their cannot audience... both be typing on the same keyboard and having anything work. I know, but it's like what they're doing is they're they're they've created a way to make it look like it's really intense for their audience of elderly people who like they, they're still using AOL to get onto the internet. You know, I get onto the internet and I check my red, you know, recipes, and and they they don't realize that uh, you know computer hacking is not is not done 
by like this this covert group that's all in a basement and they you it's know it's not live free or die hard yeah yeah exactly you know it's it's not uh, this it's not as cool as they try to make it you know give him a cookie hackers from 1995 oh no he's into the gibson that all you got <laughs> come at me yeah god <laughs> it's and, and, and then so the internet stupid. is all these like giant buildings that you're flying through and shit and it's like i wish the internet was that cool oh i know <laughs> uh, movies like that made the internet look so awesome and they're just not quite as exciting is it and that's yeah still and, uh still an advancement that's just still pretty pretty good we've come pretty far and then you have the net where uh everyone that uses the internet talks up. to themselves what I loved about the net, that was what, 94 or 95 that that movie came out? I think it was I think it was the same year as Hackers. Okay, then 95. That movie, the internet in their 1995 alternate future is more advanced than literally 2015. Sandra Bullock was able to do shit we can't do today in 1995 dial-up. Well, a lot of them are obviously made by people who have no actual knowledge of, of computers and the way they work and the way hacking works or, or any anything like that. They're really made more, I guess, for entertainment purposes and just kind of trying to make it as over the top as possible. Just like the example of the, the two people typing on the, on the same keyboard and like making it look like they're these cybernetic buildings that you're flying through and all this like lawnmower man looking stuff. It's It's just, it's silly and it's it, it it could be written by people like they could actually get, you know, engineers or or uh, programmers to come and help out with the scripts. But they they choose to go for more of the, the Hollywood eyes kind of thing. Uh, the only thing it, it makes me think of is, is just goofy stuff like the, the two people on one keyboard or the 90s Street Fighter cartoon where Balrog hacks into something while typing with his boxing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> just mash the buttons in any order, right? <laughs> what about other kinds of of tech like like the ring or ringu do you think that it would have the same weight to it if it were a cursed dvd there's just something about a cursed videotape that sounds so much cooler than a cursed dvd doesn't it if you took the videotape angle and made the ring today really wouldn't be the same movie would it yeah the the cursed dvd uh, yeah i don't know for some reason i think because it's a older technology it just seems more creepy because i i couldn't see the ring having the same effect if it was dvd i'm actually kind of surprised that with the um with the remake that they didn't try to update it to like dvds or something because uh, dvds were well uh, out at that point by uh was that 94 I th- or no not 94 uh two, 2004 i think was the the ring vhs well, whole... was still around but dvd yeah was was well established uh well i'm talking yeah. the ring okay the ring remake was 2002 so wow yeah it's been around for a while uh but still dvds were were beyond you know we're kicking uh vhs out i i don't think it would have had the same impact i guess it's because they had a good director it might also be the difference between us accepting it as more VHS as analog, DVD as digital, somehow in our brains haunting something analog like Poltergeist with the you know the the TV in the snow mode when it went off the air is somehow more acceptable than when you do it in a, something digital. I think it's something built into our our brains that allows us to to think something supernatural could come from something analog more than digital. I don't know. It makes about as much sense as anything. 
I think with VHS, it's something that at this point is very timeless. Uh, it's something that was established a long time ago. Something else came after it, but people still remember VHS fondly, and even people like newer, younger people in the generation know what it is. Uh, you, you've still got movies that utilize it, the whole finding creepy tapes thing, like the uh, the VHS found footage movies. Um, so with The Ring, I think having it be a tape does make it work better than a DVD. Not so much because it doesn't date it as much because you you got this thing where they're finding this old tape, something that, that was you know a lot more relevant 10, 10 years or so prior to, to the events of the film or whatever. Using a DVD would date it to that time. Like uh, making a movie in 2002 where they find a DVD, that very much cements it to, some, to a product of that time. Whereas using a VHS tape, it's, it's something that's timeless. And I think it's something that will will continue to do so because stuff like like DVDs and Blu-rays and you know, watching stuff on disc or watching stuff digitally is going to be around for a while. That's the new thing. Whereas if they made The Ring again, if they remade it, I think it would still be just as valid to use a VHS tape just again with movies still utilizing that, that like the like the two uh, VHS films. I think there, there might be a third one, but those are the found footage movies where they find tapes. Uh, they're obviously still very relevant. There are people who collect VHS. There are people who know what it is, uh, who appreciate it. And and it works in a nostalgic way and it works in a creepy sort of way because, yeah, that whole the, the fuzzy quality, the analog quality, it works a little better in terms of finding something like this, you know, spooky, ghostly videotape or like a snuff film or, or something like that. It just it works with with things like that. And I think it will continue to uh, because people have the, the memory of it and the, the nostalgic factor. And it just it works for for scary shit, I think like it works where character will find a snuff film or, or a haunted tape or, or something. It's just, it's something that will, will continue to work because it, it's still very much fresh, not only in the minds of the people who grew up with VHS, but even younger people of today's generation that kind of discover it and go back and, and, and see it and see it in movies today and go, you know, Hey, this is from that old generation. And I know what this is now. And, and it's, it's not only rediscovered, but it's people remembering it. So I, I think it's, it's something that will continue to be uh, valid as far as movies like, like the ring and, and more recent flex go. What about something like that didn't hold up at all? Like you've got mail, just how much AOL is cemented into that. <laughs> That movie, there's no po- <laughs> there's no possible way you that AOL thought, you know, in 20 years, people are going to be looking at this movie and going, God, AOL is still around. I mean, that movie is so ridiculously dated, it almost is a parody of dated movies. Yeah, it is, just, just because of the whole AOL aesthetic of it, because I guess they thought that's what the internet was going to be like for a really long time. And it, it evolved a fair bit, like, quite shortly after the movie, too, because the the internet even to this day is is continuing to evolve and change and certain things are updated and it gets faster and, and there's different services and whatnot. Whereas at that time, AOL was one of the biggest ones. And I guess they thought that that's kind of what it was going to stay like. I think the, the only relevant fact, I mean, I haven't seen the movie in a, in a long time. I don't even know if I've seen the whole thing, but I guess that the one thing relevant about it is that it got maybe like internet dating, right? But as far as AOL goes, oh no, like, no, it no, did oh, not. Like, Tom Hanks did not kill her and skin her. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. But I mean, yeah, with the whole AOL thing, it obviously does date it a lot because they clearly in that movie wanted to not only market that, but obviously had the idea that this is what the Internet was going to be like for a long time. And uh, and it wasn't. 
when you see a movie that's having one of the characters log on to Netscape, does you do get a little nostalgic? I, I laugh at uh, internet searches in movies in general because they'll go on and they'll they'll just not use the internet anywhere near like like a normal person would be using the internet. It's just like they just do these search bars and they find exactly what they're looking for. And Always like on the first, ama- first first page of search results, by the way. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I'm looking for and some ridiculously obscure thing. And like the first thing is exactly what they're looking for. And they did that in um, in Twilight. I mean, on top of it being a hilariously bad movie to begin with when uh, Kristen Stewart is, like, searching through the internet, she finds, like, she's like, I'm looking for books on, like, witchcraft or some shit. And she finds, like, this store just so happens to be in town that sells the book that she's looking for. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> Netscape or, or what's, or, or uh, what's, uh, God, what's another really, Netscape is really bad, but what's another, like, really outdated browser I'm trying to think of? I, you know what though the thing was I'm cu- I'm curious to like go back in time well not go back in time but go back and look at how what was the install base of AOL back when you got mail came out because I remember everybody was using it they were making like these AOL commercials where people would be you know they go to a party and it's like hey what's your number and like they'd write their like uh, their email address on a piece of paper and like hand it to the person and it's like hmm. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like well, now I mean, it's just like you'd have people like would uh you know do that shit on their cell phone or uh you know send dick pics you know like. well i mean even <laughs> even as ba- even as late as 2009 remember the movie he's just not that into you he myspace no. me <laughs> when myspace is a plot point your movie's a tad dated huh yeah. well that one they probably wrote like 10 years ago <laughs> Well, but I mean, you also have like, okay, we all have our phones and everything. Re- remember that that horrendous uh, um, Kate and Leopold? Her Palm no. Pilot was her life. Oh, I Everything kinda... was on her. Or, or when you see a drug dealer movie from the 90s and with the pagers. Oh, yeah, the pagers. <laughs> the, all the drug dealer inner city movies use those in the 90s. Mm-hmm. The ones I love are where they make a big, big deal about a character having a car phone. In an 80s movie. Remember in Less Than Zero? They had a car phone, and that was a huge fucking deal! <laughs> and it's like, yeah, a car phone. Right. Yeah. But it was like, <laughs> having a car phone drastically cut your gas mileage back then. Things weighed a goddamn ton. <laughs> the technology does advance, but then what if the technology goes the opposite way? And if you change the technology, it would fundamentally change the film like war games people nowadays the kids of today they laugh at war games with the dial up and the green monitors and all that and you know the whopper taking up an entire room and things like that but at the same time look what happened when they tried to update war games with the dead code you know for the post 2001 modern internet terrorism era wow what a piece of shit that was huh you kind of lose <laughs> the entire heart of war games went by not setting in the 80s don't you yeah that, that movie was very much a product of its time and and should stay there because a lot of the charm are those like old uh you know commodore 64-esque computers with the green screens and the the, the sort of uh the, the green text and and the bleeps and the bloops and whatnot um it just it adds to the movie rather than just 
condensing it down into today's uh, sort of sleek and um, minimalist looking technology. So I think it, it works in that context and it works for a certain audience and the, the people that laugh at it are just jackasses. I was playing the the War Games video game, which I think came out around roughly the same time as the Dead Code. And uh, that was pretty funny because that was partial. It was like late because um, it's been a long time since I played it. But that one uh, took place like later in the 80s. And it really didn't have the same story because you were controlling like drone crafts and stuff. It was actually would probably make more sense now, really, with the whole drone thing. War Games is is a great movie, but it definitely does take place, you know, take place in the nine or take place in the eighties. If we did stuff like that now, it, it just it, they they are so many ways that they would have to work around it, or you know, uh, have to work on like cell phones and like makeup technology in order to kind of work around the things. Like it's kind of like in horror movies now, where whenever they get lost in the woods. Everybody pulls their cell phone out and they're like, oh, I can't get a signal. Oh, I can't get a signal. Or they'll drop their cell phone and break it. Like that's the only two alternatives because any most anywhere it's like, oh, God, we're stuck in the woods. What are we going to do? Somebody pulls out their cell phone, calls for help. Yeah, you know, completely undermines the whole thing because the technology is somewhere that it wasn't back then. Cecil, you, you brought up like how the technology would change the movie. What about like if Die Hard took place today? Everyone would have cell phones and they'd have the internet and everything. Die Hard would be a totally different movie today, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know because if if we if it was made during the era of cell phones and stuff, the terrorists would just hold everybody at gunpoint and take their phones. But you'd also have the integrated security. Okay, you would have some kind of a security in the Tanaka building that would be like chopping mall kind of shit. Can you? Okay, terrorists versus versus chopping mall robots. I just came up with a great idea. Now there's a movie. There's a movie. What about, speaking of phones, what about a movie like Phone Booth? Really can't happen today, does it? First of all, good luck finding a phone booth somewhere, huh? There's still phone booths. Uh, I mean, I do live in Well, you're Canada, in Canada. The, you guys are like frozen behind us. The frozen tundra of the world. But I mean, I, I do still see phone booths and stuff, but I don't think they're quite... I mean, they were barely prevalent when that movie came out. Nowadays, like, I can't think of anybody that actually uses payphones anymore. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so... Where does Superman change his clothes now? <laughs> that's, that's uh oh man, I don't I don't know. Does he like hide behind the kiosk at the mall to change or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's over at the Cinnabon uh, kiosk. He yeah. changes real quick. <laughs> goes into the goes into the tanning booth. What about when a, when a movie or or even in in the case I'm about to bring up a video game wants to stay true to its source material even though it's it's now anachronistic like alien isolation because they wanted it to take place shortly after alien which used all this analog technology and green screen computers they actually had to go back and make the game seem like that and they said that was one of the hardest aspects was to and i love this word that this term that they used make an analog future again what about when the movie is so perfect the way it is like i couldn't see flat screen you know mother in Alien, being a flat-screen monitor and sounding like Siri, it just doesn't work anymore, does it? It needs to. It needs to be the way it is. Don't you love that term, analog future? Yeah. the The thing is, though, it, it, you have to wonder: is it simply because that's the way that we grew up watching it that it just works like that, or like would like let's say 
they're developing technology right now where um, flat screens will be like small enough that you can roll up and put in your pocket. But let's say they manage to make flat screens that are as thin as paper. And then uh, they were to make a horror movie or something where they were using flat screens like we have today. Would that be the same thing? Like, whereas the old CRT monitors... To us, it's just that feels right. It feels like the way that it should be versus like flat screens. You know, is it is it just in our head or is there really something to that? I think if you're going to do an expansion on on Alien and do do something where it's like in that future, like with Alien Isolation, I do think it's it's great that they made it of the same kind of future that you had Ridley Scott's Alien be in. They, the same sort of analog-based future with the same sorts of computers, having Mother being like on these, you know, the big blocky white screens with the green green text and stuff. It's something I also really like, uh, and I know we're talking movies, I guess, but I guess it's, uh, it's relevant. Like in the Fallout games, uh, the world ends in like the early 60s. So the post-apocalyptic future has technology from the 60s era. So it's it's very much like... Uh, Far Cry like the, 3 the whole... Blood Dragon takes place in the future of 2007. <laughs> and it's all envisioned as if, it, if this were the future of 2007 as seen from 1988, which is just amazing. Yeah. People like the three of us. Can you see like how Fallout or Blood Dragon... The kids who are 15, 16 years old are going, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, they they don't get it, but I think the, the right people do, the people that are into that kind of stuff, whether you grew up in that area or era or you didn't. Like, I think it's really cool that they kind of went for, like, with, with Fallout, it's obviously very much a reference to stuff like a boy and his dog because the whole weird sort of early 60s, late 50s aesthetic of the future. like Richard Richard Stanley's hardware. No mm. way you're going to argue with me that Three Dog is not based on Angry Bob. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, I, I like it when they do that, when when they kind of they instead of deciding we're going to make up this, you know, future and it's this is uh, takes place in the year 2030 or 2060. It's, it's kind of cool when they make the world end at like an earlier point in history and the futuristic fallout contains stuff from the past instead, where it's like you have the, the old like 60s radios and. Like, I think that's that's a really cool concept, and I love that they do that in games like Fallout, in movies like A Boy and His Dog, in uh, in games like Alien Isolation, where, you know, obviously instead of making it look all modern-day futuristic, they're making it look like the future of Alien because, you know, it's meant to be um, a sequel to Alien. It's meant to be along with that that same universe, and, and I, I like it when they do that, and I'm, I'm hoping we see something like that in the forthcoming uh, Blade Runner 2, and they actually go for kind of the analog-based future that Blade Runner was in instead of trying to go for the, like, a DVD Blu-ray digital future. Like, I'm hoping we see something that looks like, in, in tone with the original Blade Runner, the way that it looked, instead of trying to make it look updated and shiny, even though, you know, Blade Runner took place in the future. A perfect example of that is how Ridley Scott screwed up Prometheus. Yeah. Prometheus takes place... Everything looked place, a lot shinier. Yeah, and, and yet it takes place before Alien, and it's got higher technology than Alien Resurrection had. Yeah, which the only explanation... I can give to that is maybe everything just, uh, you know, they stopped maintaining stuff in the, the later dates that alien and aliens take place in. But I think that's just bullshit. I think it's just lazy filmmaking. It's the same thing with the, the star Wars prequels. Like why does everything look so shiny? Why do they have 
better technology all of a sudden years before the movies that are supposed to take place in in the future. Like it's uh, it's the same it's really thing with Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> Star Trek yeah. Enterprise takes place what a hundred years before classic Trek and yeah. looks more advanced than Voyager ever did. And you're like, no, it's no. really I I hate it when they do that. It's it's not only inconsistent, but it's it's a slap in the face to the to the source material that you're apparently expanding on. Like it's just it's crappy. It's lazy, very lazy storytelling and lazy filmmaking. Whereas on the other hand, when J.J. Abrams made the 2009 Star Trek, he made it both slicker and more advanced while still having the style and very much of a late 60s influence on the style of the uniforms and the bridge and things like that. I think J.J. Abrams was how you do it. You make it slick, like something that's new, while still absolutely acknowledging where it came from. Because you look at at Mm -hmm. J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, it looks like a slick new movie, but it really does look like Star Trek. Classic Trek, doesn't it? It does just with a it looks like classic Trek, but with a better budget, really. That's about it. All the technology still looks the same. The ship, the bridge, you know, the their outfits, their space. Even the suits. chairs have that kind of egg bubble yeah. thing to it that the sixties had. Exactly. And green just, chicks. Yeah, and well, green, green chicks. chicks yeah. <laughs> green chicks and, and pointy ears, but just like like I said, with it's just a better budget. The budget that probably Gene Roddenberry wishes he had when he was making sixties Trek, the you know, be, be, being able to use digital special effects and, and stuff like that. It still very much has that 60s aesthetic and the way the Enterprise looks, the bridge, definitely the chair, the captain's chair, all that all that stuff still very much looks 60s, but it has the, the sleekness and the technology and budget and special effects of today, but still portraying that you know, 60s old school look, which I do agree. I think uh, I think J.J. Abrams did a did a hell did a hell of a job in the way he did it, and he did it right. It's it's weird because uh, I don't know why they um, well, for the most part, I, I think prequels are kind of dumb to begin with. I mean, every now and then you'll get good ones, but a lot of times they don't do them properly and you end up with something like, you know, technology in the past that is somehow better than it was in the future. And it, it just kind of really sticks out like a sore thumb. And if the movie is good enough, you can kind of overlook it. But it still is kind of like, eh, why are they doing this? They have this tendency to like need to make it futuristic, even though it's supposed to be taking place when it's not. George Lucas, I believe what he was saying with um, the prequels, like why everything looked so much fancier was because like this was before the Empire really started screwing everything up. And then everything. Kenobi has a line in A New Hope before the dark times. Right. So that was kind of the thing. It was like that was more or less like the Renaissance era when everything was was for and it it kind of works. But it's just the uh, like if you go back and watch pre if like if you watch the prequels and then lead into the, uh, you know, Star Wars and Empire and Jedi, it's just there's such a disconnect because they Mm -hmm. didn't do things practical because they did use so much CGI. And so they don't really look the same like you can watch them and follow the story arc and whatnot but like they're definitely when you go from three to four it's like wait a minute you you can definitely <laughs> tell that like this you know four was filmed way the hell before this happened so yeah. i don't know why 
They don't. I mean, I understand that technology moves forward and stuff, but if you're going to do something like that, try to make it look like it should. Like I think the uh, the the new Abrams uh, Star Wars looks like it's something that would follow right after six. Like it, it's like okay, yeah. this lo- looks like yeah, it doesn't look like the prequels. It looks more like Empire. Right. Mm-hmm. It it has that look, which I think is very important if you're going to do those kind of movies. I think what really debunks what uh, George Lucas said about, you know, oh, it's taking place before the dark times happen and whatnot. Then then why does the Empire, which obviously would have, you know, all the money and technology and budget in the world, why does why does it look so much grungier than like everything in, in the prequels did? Why you'd think they would be all shiny and everything, but you know, all the stormtroopers look all dirty and, and the death star looks like a dingy pile of crap and, and everything like none of, none of the stuff like the, like the galactic empire you'd think would look all bright and shiny. If, uh, if according to George Lucas, anything he was saying wasn't a complete crock of shit, but I think really he just, he completely bungled everything when it came to the prequels and just looking at the empire, which would have all the, all the money and they're not living in darkness like the, like obviously the rest of the galaxy is, but yet it still looks all super grungy and stuff too. But yet all the all the clones and the droids and all that stuff, they all looked super shiny, even though they, they belong to the same thing. For some reason in the future, they went to 70s aesthetics. <laughs> Absolutely. The way inflation happens in movies. And I'm not talking about, oh, you know, a big budget used to be a million dollars, now it's a hundred million. I'm talking about dollars in movies. The, the, the only thing that I think really dates aliens a little bit besides Ripley's hair is kind of mid-80s, but the cost of the Nostromo mining vessel that traveled from galaxy to galaxy was only $42 million. (laughs) Like, you realize that the budget of the third film was more than what the Nostromo cost, right? (laughs) It's like, no. Now, if you even said $42 billion, that would even be a little low because we've spent more than that on stealth bombers. So I'm like, I'm sorry, an intergalactic space vessel for $42 million, that's not even the ghetto Kmart version of a space vessel. Well, no, they just went with the lowest bidder. <laughs> they went with the people who did the big dig in Boston. So that's why, like, the shit's always leaking. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you, you, get, you get that in lots of movies. You know, if, if they're using real American currency, it's so dated. I mean, like, people are like, oh, I, I love watching crime thrillers from the 60s. When, when they steal $100,000 and they're like, we're never going to have to work again. It's like, <laughs> yeah, about that. You realize you can't even buy a house with what you just stole, right? You're not retiring <laughs> from crime on that. Uh, with that much money, you could maybe pay rent for like five months. You could pay rent in like a halfway decent-ish apartment. That'd be about it for a couple months. I think Lamar Odom uh, blew more than that at the weekend at the uh, whorehouse. In 1986, when James Cameron wrote Aliens, you, 42 million. I mean, Star Trek movies were costing more than that at that point. Do you think that he really thought 42 million dollars was a big budget for a spaceship, or do you think he just kind of threw that number out and didn't realize how quickly that number would date? Uh, maybe just kind of threw a name, you know, drew a number out of a hat. Uh, who knows? I mean, I, I think that sometimes you don't really think about stuff like that. It's just like, oh, God, how much this thing cost? Well, it's something that doesn't exist. Uh, I got to come up with a number for it. Well, you know, I started writing, you know, he was writing it in the 70s and probably maybe just looked at inflation and was like, oh, well, $42 million. That's that's a good number. <laughs> 
You know, I, I guess you didn't want to make it like because you don't want to go like too ridiculous. Uh, be like, all right, well, this cost eighty seven quadrillion dollars. Is this something that w- is just inconceivable in the lifetime of everyone that's going to be watching it? But you know, as 42... soon as you said inconceivable there, I just thought of Wallace Shawn and Princess Bride. It's inconceivable. I, I guess they they wanted to uh, make it something that was quantifiable with people because you can wrap your brain around forty two million dollars. It's a lot of money, you know, from the seventies. Oh my God, forty two million dollars! But like, if they were trying to they're trying to do it now, you know, like you said, maybe do forty two billion or I don't know. I think also the the general public doesn't care. Like we're the only ones that seem to notice this kind of stuff and question it. I, that's just something that reminds me of. Uh... Recently, I was watching uh, Christine with my girl, and something we laughed at was the actual price of the car in the film. Uh, when he when he goes when Arnie goes to buy it with his buddy, and his buddy like freaks out over the price. The price of the car is we we laughed really hard at this. The price of the car in the movie is two hundred bucks, and Arnie's <laughs> buddy like Arnie's buddy like freaks out over it like, "What? It's way too much. Where where you get that kind of money, Arnie? I've been saving up all summer, and we had to pause it because we were." dying well you gotta like, remember when that movie came out minimum wage was 235 yeah. so yeah which it makes it that makes it really dated because we were we we're both like look at each other like that's a great deal like like a saving all summer for like 200 bucks and it's like that really shows how like the inflation and how, how much prices have gone up because even for an old beater like christine in that movie like 200 that's a bucks, great deal that's a great deal that's awesome look it's just we we could not stop laughing because it's like i know it's you know it's dated it was from like the early 80s or whatever but to me that's that's hilarious yeah that's to me is really funny um and i guess that goes in accordance with stuff like aliens where it's like you know 43 million dollars for this big like massive spacecraft this this you know the thing that travels through space like surely that would be more than than 43 million dollars like you know, even if that were written in the 80s or late 70s or whatever, you'd think that might that might dwell into the billions, possibly like that's it's 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 silly. Like, I think it's it goes with what Cecil was saying that maybe they were just, you know, throwing throwing darts at a board and it's like whatever it hit, whatever. That's going to be the price of the ship. Nobody's going to notice that. But you kind of do because that seems to be the yeah, the budget for a lot of movies and the budget for a lot of movies that did come out at that time, like the like the higher higher budgeted sci-fi flicks like the like the Star Treks and Star Wars and whatnot. But just yeah, going back and watching uh, a lot of older movies, especially, you know, from the seventies and the eighties and, and comparing prices from like then to now, like you, you really do see how big of a deal uh, things like inflation really are. Well what about when it goes the opposite direction? A movie accidentally predicts things dollar-wise way better than it probably should have. Mm. For instance, have you guys seen 1982's Parasite, the Charles Band movie? Ah, uh, a while ago. Too long ago to really remember much of it. Is that the Marilyn Chambers one? No, no, no. That, that, that's the Cronenberg one. That That's oh, the, uh, Shivers. No, Demi Moore? Parasite's the Demi Moore 3D one. Yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, I mixed them up. Uh, God, <laughs> not in a long time. Okay, I watched it about a month ago for the first time since I was a kid. And it takes place at an unnamed time in the future after an atomic disaster and an economic collapse. Gasoline is $20 a gallon and paper money is completely worthless. Only silver. They'll only take silver and gold money. And I'm going, (laughs) wow, he actually 
kind of isn't that far off, is he? For a while, maybe 10 years ago, $20 a gallon gasoline was not really out of the realm of possibility, was it? Though the, the paper currency thing, that's, uh, that's a little off. We'll, we'll be bartering in bottle caps pretty soon. Or even like in I Am Legend, the Will Smith one. By the time America, I know that takes place only a couple of years in the future, by the time the, the zombie, dark stalker, whatever, plague takes over, gas is like nine bucks a gallon you see on one of the road signs. Is that really calling it right? Or do you think in 20 years when they look at that and gas is, you know, eight, $18 a gallon, they're going to go, oh, God, I wish we could have $9 a gallon gas again. <laughs> Well, it's definitely wishful thinking because gas is is something that uh, continuously has been has been going up and will continue to go up. And you know, twenty dollars for for gasoline does not seem far off. And I I do see them going. Oh yeah, I wish we could be paying ten. Is that's uh that's definitely wishful thinking when it comes to future events. Future events such as these will take place in the future. <laughs> go yes, for future as well. events such as, as these well. may may affect you in the future. Can you prove it didn't happen? <laughs> One that I love. Have any of you guys seen, ever seen the movie Murder by Television? No. Doesn't sound familiar, no. It's an old, old Bela Lugosi movie from 1935. Now, can you imagine mm. how futuristic that that had to have seemed in 1935 when television had only existed for less than five years at that point? Could you see how making a movie like that, I mean, television as we know it, could you see how a movie like Murder by Television was complete bullshit science fiction in 1935? Yeah, I mean, you could see that because sometimes science fiction can be uh, ambitious in not so good of a way for its time because it's considered too too grand scale and something that, that just couldn't happen. I'm pretty sure that uh, people watching uh, RoboCop when it came out didn't really uh, think that Detroit was going to collapse the way it did. But certain movies just predict things really well, and it can be a fault because people won't buy it. They'll think it's too over the top. But what's great with movies like that is that they have staying power down the line. People go back to it and look at it and go, well, this is actually really, really ahead of its time, which is both a, both a blessing and a curse for the movie. It's just funny because, yeah, there there are things where they'll use technology as a plot device. And something like that to me is just like how uh, hackers and the net and all those were. It was this thing that they didn't entirely understand, but they wanted to use it as a plot device to scare people. And so they did it. And it's just outlandish and silly now. But back then, oh my God, you, this television thing is going to murder you. <laughs> well, along those lines, what about having to explain to the younger generation how things used to be and so technology can work in a, the original context? Like, I remember, like, we, we all recently watched Poltergeist when we did the Poltergeist retrospective. Mm -hmm. I saw so many reviews of people in their t early 20s. They never lived in an era where channels went off the air. And they had to have that explained to them, no, that's not something the movie just did. TV used to go off the air after a certain point. They'd play the national anthem, and then it would go to snow until 6 a.m. when they came back on the air. That was mm. such an outdated, it's such an outdated concept today of not having 24-hour television or a 24-hour news cycle. It has to be explained. Or something like Videodrome. The fact that Videodrome completely... The millennials don't get Videodrome. And you go, well, 
if I explain it to you, it'll make more sense. Should you have to explain a movie or not? So, I mean, like, to me, Videodrome is a fantastic film and does not work in a digital age. You have to be analog for Videodrome to work, for the, the stealing the satellite signal, the beta tapes, all of that stuff. Yeah, I know they continuously try to say that they're going to remake Videodrome, and it's just, it's not going to work. There's something about that creepy old analog signal and just that way that it was done is just so bizarre that yeah it wouldn't work uh in a digital world i'm sure they're they're gonna keep forcing it through until it finally happens like speed racer and ghostbusters and they're gonna give it to us whether we want it or not i just think that uh i'm with you on that one it's it's not gonna work it even goes so far as videodrome has two different dvd releases from criterion they have a normal one that looks like a normal dvd and you know why the original release People didn't get it. The original release, the packaging, is a handwritten bootleg beta tape is what the packaging looks like. And people mm. didn't get it. And wow. that just shows how much they had to actually reissue the DVDs with traditional packaging because millennials didn't understand what the handwritten bootleg beta tape was. I think if uh, they remade Videodrome, it would really be a lot like the Robocop remake was where you're, you're taking something that is incredibly ahead of its time to this day. Uh, like with Videodrome, the, the whole point, a, a large point of that movie is that it's it's about the desensitized public and how there there is this fear that maybe a snuff channel will appear because people are getting bored of, uh, of fictitious violence. You know, the rise of, of things like Jackass and, and uh, you know, comedy, prank comedy and stuff becoming more and more physically violent. And uh, Videodrome in a big way is, is about society being des desensitized and and a snuff channel coming into existence so I, I see no point in in remaking a movie like videodrome because it's still so well ahead of its time and its remake would only be some generic pile of crap that hardly anybody remembers people still talk about the original robocop Fucking nobody talks about the remake other than to call it a piece of shit. and that's all the videodrome remake would be that's true but look, think about one of the aspects of videodrome the, the cathode ray church which is a church where homeless people can come and get their TV fix when they're not on the street. Tell me that's any different than churches now offering free Wi-Fi and plug-in stations for your cell phone. Tell me that that is not a modern version of the cathode ray church. Exactly. See, that just that just goes to show how ahead of its time Videodrome really is and how pointless it would be to make a remake of it because – what exactly are you going to say that the original already didn't? And what staying power are you going to have 20 to 30 years later when the original already did it? There's just there's no point. Well, as technology gets continues to advance, do you think when they make movies today, let's say between 2010 and 2015, so we'll give it the last five years, do you think they're looking at like what we've been talking about? How when they made Alien in 1979, they probably never thought, well, computers are going to be way more advanced and they're not going to look like this. Or, or even, you know, like mm. in Back to the Future 2. That's such a ridiculously outdated 2015. Do you think nowadays they're looking, when, when you're not intentionally doing something tongue-in-cheek, I mean, when you're doing something serious, do you think they're looking at, mm. we, we want to make something that will be of today and have staying power? Or is it all about, we just need to make it relevant right now, like Gem and the Holograms? Gem and, the Gem and the Holograms train wreck is all about Right now, YouTube culture. And even mm. in two years, that movie is going to be hopelessly dated. 
So do you think that they're just yeah. they're still looking at the short term or do you think they're looking for a long term? We need to make the technology not be ridiculous 10 years from now. They're they're always pushing to to remake things and they're they're either updating it or, or going off of nostalgia or just trying to bring things into the current times, but not really understanding why the original worked. So that's one of the major reasons why the, the gem and the holograms movie failed. It was like they were uh, like to be perfectly honest, didn't need updating because the audience that you're trying to get with this, they don't care about gem and the audience that <laughs> does care about this, they don't want an updated version of gem. They don't want something <laughs> that, you know, has the name of gem, but really is um, a pitch you know, perfect knockoff, a pitch perfect knockoff. Exactly. What about a movie like unfriended when that came out? Wasn't that an instantly dated movie? But the thing is, sometimes you need to make those movies. I thought uh, conceptually, I still haven't seen it, but I thought conceptually, okay, you know what? Maybe that's something that, you know, 10 years from now is is just going to be like silly. Oh, my God. People they, are going to look but, at that and go, Skype? What was Skype? The way we're looking at who's, you've got mail. Right. But mm -hmm. the thing is that you make those movies at the time because it makes sense. Something like that affects you now. Same thing with like, uh, I mean, cause you were, you were just bitching about how uh, the TVs went off the air and there was the static snow. Well, you know, they, they did that for back in the thing. Like now it doesn't make sense because TVs very seldom go off the air. So does that mean they should just not do anything that's happening at the time? Uh, a Skype the Horror movie, uh, like I said, I still haven't seen it, so I can't say if it's good or not. But I thought conceptually that was cool. That was different. That was something that was at least showing somebody trying to do something outside of the box instead of just doing the same old thing that they always do. But then again, you've also got something like that horrendous smiley movie that tried to be a tongue-in-cheek scream knockoff using, quote, internet celebrities of the day. And when you look at that now, the response, even just, what, four or five years later is, I have no idea who any of these so-called internet celebrities actually are. That, that, you know, <laughs> that, that's like putting pie-dye pie in that South Park episode. When that Maybe hits pie. syndication, people are going to go, who the hell's pie-dye pie? Uh, South Park is also always going after things that are current. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they had him on at the time, it made sense because at the time there and it's still going on. It's still relevant. It's something that's regardless of your feelings on it is going to be relevant for a while. People that are watching other people play video games. All right. I disagree with you. I think you should make a movie when, when you make a film, you should make it for now and beyond instead of just now but where we we obviously disagree on that and there's nothing wrong with that you guys have a right to be wrong mm. cecil if people want to find you right now where could they do so you want to find me right now you can find me at escapistmagazine.com goodbadflicks.com youtube facebook twitter and uh, all your usual uh, social media outlets and uh, technology that is currently in use but may not be in use in the future. Yeah, you want to see something funny? Watch his early videos if they're hilariously outdated. Oh, they're so bad. Although I had somebody who was contacting me saying that uh, they missed the old style, you know, the way that I used to do it. And I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Peter, you, you will be here for now and forever because you are a true cinemasochist. Where can people find That's you? Right. Uh, you can find me being, being ahead of my time on the Twitters, 
at uh, at Cinematica on the Facebooks, the Cinematicist on the YouTubes, uh, the Cinematicist. Hopefully, I'll be making some more stuff. I just put out a little uh, a little short film. If anybody wants to go check that out on the uh, the Cinematicist channel, I don't know. I I do things, and uh, sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're weird, and that's just that's just how life is. And I'm also on the 1201beyond.com. Damn straight. And I'm on the 1201beyond.com. You can find me there along with contacting the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And remember, guys, make sure you kink up your holiday. AdamandEve.com. Use the promo code DROME. Special stuff through the end of the year. Kink it up. Get a weapon of ass destruction today. So keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Twelve oh one beyond production. Visit twelve oh one beyond dot com for more great shows.